Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode of the Human Centered Leadership Podcast, where I interviewed incredible leaders from around the world, people who I believe are at the very top end of their game as leaders in their specialist areas, but also people who live and breathe emotional intelligence. And, in, and this is what this show is all about. It's about helping other leaders understand what the practicalities of emotional intelligence are all about and how they can implement that into their work, into their lives and into the relationships that they build. Talking about relationships, the person that I've got today is, I think, the master of relationships. Now, Andy Laporta is a really good friend of mine. We met at, on a course uh, about a year or two ago now, I think it was, and uh, we got chatting and uh, I, was, I was fascinated by Andy, I really was, and he's a thoroughly decent guy, uh, all told as well. Let me just tell you, I have to read some stuff off about Andy because he is at the very top end of his game. He's a specialist in professional relationships and networking for over 20 years. He's had a business in that area. Financial Times in the United Kingdom describes him as one of Europe's leading business networking strategists. Now, that's some accolade. And if that's not enough, the independent uh, newspaper, which is a huge newspaper in the United Kingdom, and of course, Forbes, uh, describe him as a true master of networking. He's an experienced speaker, a podcast host. I've been on his podcast, and uh, I'm hoping that he doesn't pick out holes in my podcast here because I'm a newbie to all of this. Uh, he's the author of five books. I don't know where he finds the time. And... Uh, as if that's not enough, he's a two-time board member of the Professional Speaking Association, fellow of the Learning and Performance Institute, and master of the Institute for Sales Management. I need to go off and just get my head down for a bit because that's exhausted me. Andy, thank you so much for spending time here. You don't sound like a newbie at all, Cole. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast. You know, what, Andy, when I thought about having a podcast based around emotional intelligence or what I call human-centered leadership, you were one of the very first people I thought about because fundamentally what uh, emotional intelligence is all about is about the ability to build deep relationships. And I always have regarded you ever since we met as an expert in relationships. When people come to you asking for guidance on networking or professional relationship building, what are the key aspects that you think are so important to building those networking relationships going forward? It's a big question because there's so many different facets to it. If I was sort of to give the headlines, uh, I would say uh, you, you need to find the right balance between being strategic and being relatable and personable. To expand on that a little bit more, uh, there's no point in developing professional relationships to help you in your role or in your career if they're not with the right people 
who are going to help to move you forward. Or let me rephrase that, if the right people are not within that network. Um, so you need to be strategic and understand where the gaps are in your network and make sure you reached out to those people and connect with them. But also you need to be relatable. You need to have a relationship mindset, which means you may connect with someone who, with whom there's nothing obvious strategically as to why you should connect, but you just get on with them. I think you and I actually pride a probably quite a good example of that we didn't meet each other and go oh my god i could use that person we just we, we just clicked <laughs> absolutely and, and actually yes you've been on my podcast you've now invited me onto yours that that's two years later but the the connection at the beginning was so strong that we were able to do that um so i think getting that balance between strategic thinking and relationship thinking is really key some people are too strategically minded and as a result their networks shrink because people see them as manipulators and users some people are too relationship focused which means they build a great network of people who love them but nobody knows what to do for them and they might not have the right people in the network in the first place so you've got to get that balance so that would be the first thing the second is that when you have uh, that right balance it's no no point just connecting with someone you know exchanging a business card connecting on linkedin having one conversation and thinking well they're in my network now M my business strapline for a long time has been connecting is not enough because it's about the relationship that you build so uh, the second thing that i would I, I would emphasize is the importance of taking people on a journey with you to the heart of your network we, we tend to see networks as a binary thing you're in my network or you're out of my network when in fact your network is made up of people on a, on that journey with you some people have just entered and if you never follow up with them and never talk again they'll they'll leave again soon and you'll be strangers again others will be right at the heart of it you, you wouldn't even think of them anymore as professional connections even if that's how you met they are your friends um, and, and there's various levels on that way i have a model for seven stages so, so part of the goal is to move people to the next stage uh, and deepen the relationship. And then I think the third thing I would say is that once you have the right relationships with the right people, they're at the right depths, they like you, they want to help you, you need to be able to ask for your help. So you've got to be able to leverage those relationships. Again, that might sound cold, uh, but it's all about mindset. Again, if I can use us as an example, if I think if I came to you, uh, and asked you for something you would be happy to give it and it would give you pleasure because you also know that if you came to me and asked for something I'd be happy to do it and, and, and if I asked for you and you helped me I wouldn't expect you to expect reciprocation I would want to reciprocate but it would be where it's relevant but it may well be that I then help someone else and they help you so you know the, see the network as uh, a much bigger thing than two individuals and if you have a, a an attitude of abundance of helping as many people as you can, you can balance that with an attitude of being willing to ask for help and seeing it as an okay thing to do. And that's made me smile because I think that was the thing that really connected us, this, this attitude of abundance, this attitude of mm. wanting to help other people. And you're absolutely right. The moment you and I met, there was no sort of strategy behind it whatsoever. It was, I really like this guy and he speaks from the same hymn sheet, if you like, uh, that, I, uh, that I come from and I, we got on so well. And I just loved your values. And I, I have a saying that uh, I connect with like-minded people, but I only ever truly deeply connect with like-valued people. Uh, so values sit at the very core of everything that I do. And I look for those values being oozing out of that individuals because we demonstrate our values an awful lot. 
Andy, I'm trying to unpick a lot of what you said, and there's so much value in what you've just said there. So I'm just going to try and pick on one of those things. And it's that whole law of reciprocity that people very often talk about. And when you're doing something for somebody else without any expectation of it coming back to you, eventually it does come back to you. Uh, and I think you're a big believer in that, aren't you? I think I would have said it anyway, but it's probably front of mind the, the week we're recording this because I had a guest on my own podcast this week and one of the things that impacted me the most was how he talked about reciprocity. Um, you know, I was particularly asking him about how you you, you handle it when some people um, want to refer back and others don't. He talked about people have, some people have a reciprocity reflex where as soon as you give to them, they want to give back straight away, get it done with. Whereas others will take a lot more time and be more considered. I think reciprocity is a very dangerous area. I think it's a very important one, um, but it's a very dangerous one because if we expect uh, reciprocity, then we've got a problem because we're diminishing the potential for mutual support or support and referrals to go around. So for example, if I had a key contact that you needed an introduction to, but you weren't in a position to help me. If you went purely by reciprocity, you wouldn't ask me because you couldn't reciprocate. And that means that that opportunity to help you has gone. So if we take this view of a network as an organism with many, many different actors within it, um, then it's not about whether you can help me in that moment or, or even in the future at any point. It's about whether you would if you could. I like that. The, 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 the other thing about it is that I don't expect you, and I, I mentioned this in my previous answer, I don't necessarily expect you to reciprocate. But if you are surrounding yourselves with the right type of people, and I love that like-valued phrase, I was going there as you were heading towards it. Um, and, and I was like, damn, he's got it already. <laughs> I'm still going to blog you, but I'm going to credit you for it. Um, but if you take that like-valued phrase, if you surround yourselves with like-valued people, that means you don't expect reciprocity, but they take on what I call the burden of reciprocity themselves. You don't impose it they accept the burden of reciprocity. But again, if they can't reciprocate, what I don't want is just, you know, like I know I know people who pay a commission, other speakers will pay a commission for speaking. Um, and and that, that alleviates them of that burden. Uh, whereas actually, the you know, if they're charging the same amount of me, I'm only getting 10% or 20% of what I earn doing what I love. So that's not really gonna make a big impact on, on my business. So actually, just developing the relationship over a period of time could be a lot more fruitful. I absolutely agree. I find this whole area fascinating. And there's something that you've said there, Andy, that I've never really actually thought about before, that a lot of the time people don't ask for help because they they feel that they have to reciprocate, but they feel that they cannot reciprocate. They don't have that within their power in that moment. But I love what you said after that, that it is about if they could, they would. And and it's almost coming back to the values again, isn't it? 
you would still have that valued relationship with that individual and still do what you could to help them because you know that they come from a deeper place. There's a good example of this, a good real-life example. I do a lot of work with some big companies on their mentoring programs. So I will train up the mentors, how to mentor effectively, and I'll, I'll train the mentees. Now, one of your issues with mentoring in its traditional sense, because I'm very aware there are different types of mentoring, including reverse mentoring, mm. uh, where people mentor people more senior than themselves. Um, but in traditional mentoring, the challenge is, and, and again, just to, for clarification, there are people who charge as mentors. I do it when it's focused on professional relationships. It's a commercial offering, but in the environment I'm talking about is when someone gives up their time for free mm. uh, to mentor someone else. And people say, why would they do that? And, and what can I give them to do it? What a good mentor would expect of their mentee is that they will, and here's the phrase, pay it forward. Mm. And it's a really good example of what I'm talking about. They're not expecting that mentee uh, to, to give something back other than one thing that I'll come on to that's very, very important. Uh, but they're not expecting an exchange of services or time or whatever it might be. They're, they're expecting that when that mentee reaches their position, they will be doing the same thing for the next person along. And I think that's a really good illustration of the point. The one thing that a mentor expects back, the one thing that if you refer someone, you should expect back is appreciation and feedback. You need that appreciation and feedback uh, because that's where the relationships can break down. If you don't have that that appreciation and feedback, you feel taken for granted, you feel undervalued. Let's go back to that word value again. And it, there's no future in that relationship and, and the mutual support dies out. Where you're coming at with all of this is really that depth of relationship building. So a good relationship is one where there's no expectation of anything in return but inevitably there is something that comes back from that. And, and, and you're talking about mentoring there. Uh, one of the reasons why I have mentored so many people is because other people have mentored me in the past. So this thing that you're talking about, this expectation of, of paying it forward is exactly what I've done without even realising it. And all the people that I've ever mentored, I've never expected anything back from them, but for them to pay it forward themselves. The flip side of that, not the flip side, but the other part of the equation, that appreciation. I, I interviewed for my uh, podcast, uh, Bob Lefkowitz, who won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. And he has gone on to mentor 200 people, wow. including someone else who became a Nobel laureate as well. And, and, and many of them have won awards globally uh, for their work in, in sciences. And for him, the pleasure he derives from seeing the success of his mentees who all stay in touch with him is probably worth 10 times anything that they could give back to him in a commercial term. Um, so sometimes, and it goes back to what I was talking about speakers paying commission for, for, for an engagement. Sometimes what you can give back intangibly is so much more valuable. But, and we talk about emotional intelligence. It's valuable emotionally mm. than something that could be measured. And do you know what? There's a, there's a phrase that I once heard that I still live my life by, and that is 
that the mark of an outstanding leader is not how good a leader technically you are, but how many leaders you create. And I don't think there's any greater appreciation of leadership than to see those that you've mentored doing really, really well, because you know that you've gone on to create other leaders uh, behind you. I see life as this 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 uh, constant sort of conveyor belt that people come on from one end and eventually will drop off at the other end in their leadership journey. But you, we have to make sure that there are people always along that uh, conveyor belt coming along and growing and developing. And and mentoring does that. Mentoring is critical. And people, I don't think, understand the power of coaching and mentoring um, within either the, the, the corporate context uh, or within life, generally speaking. I think it's such a, a valuable thing. And you know, mentoring has been around for centuries. It's, you know, it's a stuff that, uh, of legends, really. It's what our elders used to do with us, you know, that this, this form of mentoring in the family or within our community. And if you think of the story of the great Romans and, and the Greeks, you know, there are stories of mentors there. So you're right, it does go back centuries. It goes back to, to, to classical times. Uh, and I think it's part of human nature. You know, adults teach children it's mentoring you know all we do we don't want to be taught when we're adults do we we've got past that so we rename it something um but but effectively um it, it it's human nature that we pass on what we learn to the people that are coming um after us whether it's our kids or whether it's uh other people in our organization the other beauty of it is and again this comes back to natural reciprocity which we haven't really talked about uh, so it doesn't come back to it it comes to it is uh we learn as people develop, we learn from them. So great mentoring relationships evolve into a co-mentorship. Uh, and, and that's a natural reciprocity, which is, again, so much more powerful than a commercial arrangement. Absolutely. Having said that, I do still charge. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been involved in the whole profession, building professional relationships for over 20 years now. Uh, and particularly in networking. One of the things I hear about in networking an awful lot, and I guess I'm also within that, I'm not really a networking person in terms of, I don't go to networking events. Maybe there's one or two specific groups that I now am involved in. But by and large, I, I'm not one that uh, goes into a group a room full of individuals. I am that introverted person that probably sits in one corner and ob observes. I'm an observer. Um, what advice, I mean, you've been in, you've run these kind of events and you know these events and you know the value that these events can bring. What advice would you give to somebody who uh, really doesn't want to be there, is extremely nervous? What would you say to them in terms of building relationship that, that would put them at ease? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of things there. First of all, just to stress, although my background is in networking events and I spent eight years running an organisation um, that had networking groups around the UK and in Spain, uh, I think that they play their role, but the, the, the pudding is somewhat over-egged. Mm. Um, they, they play a fantastic role, but too many people misunderstand that role. And even when I was running them, I, I couldn't understand why people leaving a corporate job, starting their own business, would come and ask a group of strangers to help them build it before they'd ask their friends and family and former colleagues. Uh, and I think that they have the reputation of being about uh, finding a client, finding a new job, finding that person. And from that has evolved the 
awful idea of the elevator pitch. So the classic um, networking dance, I call it. What do you do? Elevator pitch. And what do you do? Elevator pitch. Lovely to meet you. Have you got a card? Thank you very much. And people go their separate ways. And that sucks the soul out of conversation. And that's why people hate that scenario. So the first piece of advice I would give is if you are going to a formal event, whether it's something like a local chamber of commerce, a BNI uh, type breakfast meeting, uh, whatever it might be, uh, or whether it's a three day conference for your industry, uh, don't go looking for the person that's going to solve your, your woes or give you a client or be your client or whatever it might be. Because why would they when you're a stranger? Go with the view of finding people who will no longer be strangers, who will go on that journey that I talked about earlier into the heart of your network to the point where you won't need to ask them for help because they'll be offering it. If they're your advocates, which is stage six or my seven stages of professional relationship, you won't even need to ask. They'll be looking for you all the time. You just need patience. So the phrase I always used to use when I taught networking skills was sell through the room, not to the room. So build the relationships so that people then recognize opportunities for you moving forward. Uh, and then uh, you will find it will work so much better. The beauty of that approach is that it takes all the pressure off and you can just focus on finding people you like rather than worrying about getting your elevator pitch right or are they the right person for you. Just find people who you like, who you get on with. Uh, you know, we used the example of when we met initially. Uh, we didn't exchange elevator pitches as far as I remember. It's very <laughs> unlikely knowing me that we did. Um, if you had asked me what I would do, I would probably have changed the subject. Um, it helped that we were on a three-day course. I was there for two days, I think. But, uh, you know, you couldn't exactly escape me, so there would be plenty of opportunities to chat. Um, so just just focus on being yourself, finding people you like. The other thing I would say is if you are an introvert who really struggles in big groups, then go for um, smaller meetings and ask the people you know already to introduce you to people you should meet. And then go for breakfast meeting with them or lunch meeting or go for a coffee or have a Zoom coffee or whatever it might be with them. Um, but events are a tool in the networking process. They're not networking and they do play a role. I don't want to underplay that role and the benefits they bring, but they're not the be all and end all. Such wisdom there. And I'll, I'll, I'll say that the second way that you've described for introverts to build relationships is exactly what I do. I build relationships in with very, very small groups, with individuals preferably, and uh, those individuals then introduce me to other individuals and I end up going for lunch or, or, or coffee with them and I feel much more comfortable doing that. And, you know, 90% of the, my business actually comes from referrals as opposed to me going to showcase my talents uh, at a networking event or, or a conference. Uh, and that's the power of building solid, powerful relationships. I think that the, that the beauty of networking events, if I was to look at one prime uh, value for them, it's efficiency and time efficiency. Because the, the process that you've just described, it's very difficult to do that with a larger group of people. And it really depends on how where you want your network to be. So the events I go to, I will tend to be going in order to see uh, see people again who I've met a handful of times. And I'm building those relationships by increments through visibility. Yeah. So it, it's not the case that straight away 
you meet someone new and they'll meet with you, particularly if you're dealing with senior individuals in big organisations. But if you're around them and they see you and they hear your name mentioned a few times, then they open up and events can play a great role in making that happen. So it's much more likely that I will attend something um, with a view to just raising my visibility with people I already know. Just before Christmas, one of my clients, an organisation that I do a lot of talks for, had a uh, a virtual networking event. It's the first one I went to. I've been avoiding them like the plague. Um, <laughs> but I was quite intrigued by the setup. And they also fit the bill of the people who go, who congregate, tend to be people whose radar I want to be on. So I thought, fine, I didn't have much time. I'll pop in for 10 minutes. I'll wheedle around the virtual room. I'll have a few conversations and I'll just make sure I see a few people virtually. And, and you know, you basically, it was quite strange, but you have a map of a, a venue and you, you follow your avatar around. And when you're near someone, both your videos come on. Uh, quite an interesting approach. And I, But I was chatting to the person running it and someone else came in who was very senior in one of the big four consultancies. And so he joined our conversation. I sent him a LinkedIn connection request afterwards and he came back to me and said, let's have a chat. And we had a great call last week. So going to an event really helped because it was uh, serendipity that brought us together. And if I hadn't have been there, even just for 10 minutes, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to chat. And if I'd have been able to stay for longer, that might have happened several times. What allowed us to accelerate to a, 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 a virtual meeting so quickly was because I clearly saw that the person who hosted the event trusted him and valued him highly. He could clearly see that she felt the same about me. So when I sent the LinkedIn connection request, I acknowledged that. So you use that virtual connection and the trust, what I call associated trust implied, to say, you know, we really should connect. And you've just touched in on LinkedIn there, which is, you know, networking yet again. But, you know, building that uh, that whole concept of relationship building, there are far too many. And by the way, it was a LinkedIn course that you and I both met on. So it's apt that we finish off talking about LinkedIn. Our mutual friend, Sam Rathling, ran a, a wonderful course. She's at the top end of her game when it comes to LinkedIn, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to Sam Rathling. Uh, if you if you don't know anybody within the LinkedIn world, she's the person to know. But in LinkedIn, Sam would say, and you would say, don't just go out connecting with people. Go out there, build relationships with people. And just as you would do in the real world or in a virtual conference, um, you know, it's that whole concept of that seven touch philosophy in marketing that they very often talk about. You have to meet these people over and over again and form a deeper relationship each time. And very often that's about finding mutual ground. Definitely. And I would echo the shout out for Sam. I've, I met Sam when she referred me into one of her big clients and I've now referred her into my clients. I, I do LinkedIn training, but I don't do it to the depth she does. So I, you know, when they want to go to the next level and use sales navigator and so forth, I refer Sam in and, and, uh, absolutely without fear because i know she she delivers a fantastic job you said at the beginning of that question and linkedin is another networking tool let's lose the word networking because of all the associations it has and just talk about relationship building linkedin is another relationship building tool it absolutely is 
that reframes the whole thing. It reframes how you approach it. One of LinkedIn's advantages that I talk about a lot is what I call the ability to stay insight in mind. So it's very similar to what I was saying about events. It's the visibility piece. And what, where I think LinkedIn is really powerful is once you have connected with someone, you can be engaging with them through your content and you can be engaging with them through theirs. Um, so I, I set my clients a 10 minute challenge and the 10 minute challenge is to spend 10 minutes every day going through their newsfeed, liking, commenting or sharing posts. And they get one point for a like, two points for a comment, three points for a share, because each has a different level of impact on the other person the person posting and your comment has to be meaningful and the, you have to editorialize the share so you say why you're sharing it and if you do that you're investing in what Stephen Covey would call your personal bank account mm. um, uh, with, in the, with the relationship with that person so LinkedIn is incredibly powerful for doing that and and you know it's quite funny I, I was running a LinkedIn session last week and someone was very skeptical about it and we were talking through it and I realized I had the perfect example to answer him. I, I, like all these things, I, I remembered it the day after. Um, but I spoke in Bucharest about, I would guess, seven to ten years ago. And I remember it was very funny because my surname is Eastern European in origin, but it's not, a, it's, yeah, it's Eastern European in, in, in origin. It was a conference in Romania. All the other speakers were, Roma were Romanian. And this guy, I think, was one of the sponsors or other speakers. And he sat there and he was really looking at my uh, the details of my talk, really interested. And when I got up to speak, he'd assumed I was Romanian because the surname is Eastern European. He thought two things. He thought, wow, this guy speaks really good English. And why is he speaking in English? <laughs> but we, we had a good chat afterwards and we connected on LinkedIn. Now... I am very confident that if we hadn't connected in LinkedIn, nothing else would have happened because it would have been one of those chats you have at a conference. You might exchange cards, exchange a couple of emails, and that will be it because there was no driver for more. Three years later, he contacted me and he said, Andy, I'm running my own leadership com conference in Timisoara, uh, and I really want you to come and speak. Timisoara, for those that don't know, I think it's to the west of Romania. It's where the, the revolution started against Ceausescu. And... Um, he said, I'd really like you to speak. And I, I said, I don't speak on leadership. You know, since then, this was the spark for my book, Connected Leadership, funnily enough, many years later. Um, he said, I've followed your work since we met. You can speak on leadership. And so I developed my first ever Connected Leadership talk from that point. And I went to Timisoara, spoke in the Symphonic Hall uh, and had an absolutely amazing time. Wonderful trip. And it was because we connected on LinkedIn and he stayed engaged with my updates. So even though we hadn't spoken in that three years or whatever it was, he felt connected to me. And I hear that so often. People I haven't spoken to for years say, I love what you're doing. And, and it's so powerful. So that would be my, I mean, there's so much from LinkedIn. I mean, what I teach above anything else is how to get referrals through LinkedIn. But in terms of relationships, that's, that would be my number one tip. I think it's incredibly powerful. I have to agree. I mean, since since going on Sam's course and playing around with LinkedIn, developing relationships and doing all the things that you've talked about there, Andy, there are people within LinkedIn who have got huge followings. I've reached out to them, but because I'm commenting regularly on their posts and engaging, 
they have said, yes, absolutely, I'll talk to you. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who's got a huge following and um, I asked her to be on the podcast and uh, she said, let's jump on a video call and uh, we, we sorted it straight away. And that's the beauty of relationship building. You know, and, and I could talk to you forever about relationship building and human-centered leadership, but we've actually come to a, the end of our time. We might have to have another episode because... I need to dig into that mind of yours. There's just so much wealth in there and uh, you've got so much to share. But thank you for spending uh, half an hour with us uh, in your busy schedule and uh, and sharing so much wisdom, Andy. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I think it's a great topic uh, to explore. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.